is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Well, here we go. Wide receivers part two. We're going to get into rounds three and beyond. Welcome, everybody. This is Fantasy Football Today. Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Heath Cummings. We'll have Jamie Eisenberg on in just a few minutes. Can you believe we're done with our position previews, guys, after after the next hour? Yeah, man. We're getting close to evaluating preseason when it really gets interesting because the big guys start to play. And then uh, then it's go time. Yeah. It's lineup setting time. It's yeah. nut cutting time. It's fantasy football time, baby. I actually got a little bit sad. Woo! Got a little sad a couple days ago. Get the hell out of here. What are you sad about? Realizing how close we are to the preseason being over. You're and how sad close about we that? are to the offseason being over. I like the football, but this right here, the, the, the time when we're built making, Draft making time. the yeah. sausage. Yeah, yeah. This, this is what it's all the about. The making the sausage part is fun. And there's, there's a tipping point in the preseason where I'm watching the games and I just go from, I'm so excited football's back. I'm so excited football's back to, this sucks. Yeah. I can't wait for when it's real and week one comes around. Well, we are here to help you on draft day, and we also are delivering the best fantasy football advice all season long directly through the Google Assistant. You will be able to compare players and get insights into who to draft all month long, and we will turn to Dave, Jamie, and Heath today to find out how the Google Assistant works. It is a cool uh, feature. And you should download the Google Assistant app or use it on Android, and we'll show you how it works a little bit later. Uh, but basically you say, hey, Google, talk to CBS Sports, and you take it from there. All right, I want to read an email of the day to start the show. And tomorrow on Friday's show, we'll recap tonight's preseason action and read a lot of your emails because you have a bunch of good questions, and we appreciate it. Uh, I just Unfortunately, during position previews, we don't really get a chance to read them. But here's an email, Brandon from Wesley Chapel. I really enjoyed your discussion about how it's weird that people take the sixth or seventh running back before DeAndre Hopkins, but I do the same thing, and I want to explain why. I feel like there are so many sleeper-wide receivers that you can get in the later rounds, but running back gets shallow very quickly. Sanders, Thomas, Garcon, Watkins, Crowder, etc., they're all very viable receivers that are values, whereas there aren't many running backs with that top potential. Do you guys agree with that? Because that is uh, an, an important determination to make. Your early round picks, you know, could be dictated by what you think you can get in the late rounds. I cannot disagree with that because that's his personal feeling and how he feels about these players. I don't really feel that way myself because if you're talking about sleeper running backs that you can get in the same range as those guys, you've got Kerryon Johnson, you've got Marlon Mack, you've got Isaiah Crowell, you've got Carlos Hyde, you've got Jamal Williams. And probably now you have Rashad Penny and you have Ronald Jones. I am pretty excited about that group. But what if I don't feel that same excitement? And what but if I, know I just do. don't? Well, yeah, you know I do. But I what if? Do. But what if I'm Brandon from Wesley Chapel and I look at those running backs and I go, eh. and then I look at the receivers by comparison and I go, well, you know, the, the maybe Emmanuel Sanders doing. can get a thousand yards. Maybe Sammy Watkins does have something left in the tank. Maybe it's PPR and Jamison Crowder can give me 90 catches because Alex Smith is going to shrivel up and, and become a passive quarterback again. Not pass-happy quarterback, passive quarterback. If you like the receivers better starting in round six, and they're around 680p, more than the running backs, that should shape your draft philosophy. But specifically, you, I mean, yes, it, it's a reasonable thing, Brandon. I mean, I don't think, even if we disagree with it, we're not going to vehemently disagree. It's very, uh, disagree with it. It's reasonable. But you guys don't necessarily feel that way. He I certainly do doesn't. Dave, not so much, right? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know because, like, two of the running backs that Heath mentioned, Carrion Johnson and Jamal Williams, I'm not sure when we start with, you know, when this discussion is like, if we're talking about round eight. Emmanuel Sanders, Pierre Garcon. Oh, those guys are awesome in round eight. I'd like to be in that draft. Well, Emmanuel Sanders is going in round eight. Pierre Garcon's going in round eight. But Carrion Johnson, Jamal Williams are not. Marlon Mack, uh, maybe. But well, yes. Sammy Watkins is not either. Sammy Watkins is actually going later than I thought he's going in round seven in a 12-team league. Uh, round six guys are Corey Davis, Chris Hogan, Michael Crabtree, and then the beginning of round seven is Will Fuller. This is an And I like PPR. a lot of those guys. 
Yeah. All right. So so let's let's uh, dive into it. But we don't necessarily think that the wide receiver sleepers are better. Although I, I honestly, I think they are. Just because the guys I mentioned are going later than you think, the wide receivers. I think that there are fewer wide receiver breakouts this year than there have been in the past three, four years. There aren't a lot of guys that you can quantify as a breakout candidate this year. To I take that, that step into 1,200-yard territory, let's say. Yeah. All right, well, why don't we get into ADP? So it's it's Brown, Hopkins, Beckham, Julio, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, A.J. Green, that consistent top eight, followed by Mike Evans and T.Y. Hilton. Evans going 24th. And T.Y. Hilton going 30th overall, the middle of round three. We have identified T.Y. Hilton as of right now, 30th overall, if he really goes there, as tremendous value. We spent most of the show talking about those 10 guys. So we'll go from wide receiver 11 on down into the 40s, hopefully the 50s. Doug Baldwin, 30th overall. And we ended the show with that. Um, if Doug Baldwin were healthy right now, he's going, he's going about 30th, same as T.Y. Hilton. I'm getting him a little bit later, closer to 35th, 36th in drafts recently. Uh, so, and actually, I'm sorry, I have to correct, correct myself. He's now going 35th. So yeah, I think Doug Baldwin is a late round three pick in a 12 team league. Um, where would he go if he were 100% healthy? Five to 10 spots sooner. Yeah, I think when you, like, th- th- this kind of helps illustrate what I was saying about some of the rookie running backs and other ADP issues. It was 30 a couple of days ago. It's 35 now. That means it's probably actually in a draft today, like 39 to 40, 42, something like that. He's at 40 and a half on CBS right now. That's his ADP. I I think he's a guy you could take at the 2-3 turn if you had no concerns about his health. Yeah, so what am I missing? Why is he falling a round and a half? He's expected to be ready for week one. Is it just that people think this might be a chronic knee issue for Baldwin? Because he feels like a steal at the end of round three. If he plays 16 games, he is. So this goes back to what we talked about when we first heard about the injury, because we don't know the specifics, the, the specifics of the injury. Is it a torn MCL? Is it just a strain? Is it a sprain? What, what's going on in that knee? No one knows. The Seahawks aren't saying. No one's reporting on it. Once we find out that information, I think we'll have a better idea on whether or not this is something that can linger. But I'll say what I've said before. He, he hasn't missed a game yet. I think Jamie said 88 consecutive games that Doug Baldwin has started. You've got to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a veteran who's played a long time. The system has changed in Seattle, but he's got his chemistry with Russell Wilson, and I think that matters. I think that counts for a lot. So Doug Baldwin isn't a bad pick, and especially if we're talking about the end of round three, beginning of round four, I think there's some good value built into a receiver who, frankly, should get over a 1,000 yards, should get seven or eight touchdowns. More than that, if he's healthy, and plenty of catches to boot because he's going to be the most targeted receiver in Seattle. He's a great pick there. Yeah, would you take him over the Vikings wide receivers? Yes, I, I definitely would in PPR. I, it's it's close in standard. No, take, oh, Jamie's here. Either wow. one of them. Startling. <laughs> I'd take him over Thielen. Uh, would you take uh, Doug Baldwin over Tyreek Hill? Yes. I would in PPR, not in standard, and I, I, we've got some things to talk about with Tyreek okay. a little bit later. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, yeah, Baldwin's been top 12 wide receiver in both formats three straight years. He's been a top 10 wide receiver in two of those three years. He can be a little inconsistent, but at the end of the season, you get, you get that number one wide receiver production. Uh, and we will mention that his best stretch of his career, which was just a torrid stretch at the end of the t- 2015 season, was mostly without Jimmy Graham. That was when Graham got hurt. And Baldwin had already started going crazy with Russell Wilson at that point, but most of it was without Jimmy Graham. All right, so more ADP. So just before Baldwin, and we could just look at this whole group. It's Tyreek Hill. T.Y. Hilton's ahead of the pack, right? Uh, Tyreek Hill, Diggs, Thielen, Cooper, Baldwin. Yes. Okay, so let's take Hilton out of there. We talked about him enough. But we got Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, and Doug Baldwin. And what do you guys think about that? I think those are good wide receivers uh, as number two guys on your team. Any that you do or do like the most, like the least, any that seem out of whack. Say the list again. Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, 
Amari Cooper, and Baldwin. Diggs the best, Hill the least. Those are all number two receivers that have number one upside, and you could say like if one of them one of them has to be twelfth, so I guess that one's technically a number one receiver. But the one that I have struggled with a lot is Tyreek Hill, and you've got a little bit of the target question mark with Sammy Watkins there. But we've also seen reports from Chiefs camp that Mahomes and Watkins have not made a connection yet, and he's throwing the ball to Hill a lot more. We saw in the first preseason game, he didn't throw the ball to Watkins once. I still think Tyreek Hill's the number one receiver on this team, and he's going to regress in some areas. But also, he had 24 carries as a rookie and had 267 yards and three touchdowns. That's completely unsustainable. Last year, he still had 17 carries. I still expect he's going to get a carry, maybe two per game. He only had 59 yards and no touchdowns. So he's going to regress positively in that number. He he is one of the only receivers where you can count on some fantasy production in the rushing game. I just think he's a unicorn in the sense that you can't view him with the same lens as you can other wide receivers in fantasy. You can you look, you can, but he's just not he he's a big play receiver, but the potential for him making that big play is every single week no matter who he plays. There isn't an opponent out there on in the NFL that I don't think Tyreek Hill can't score a long touchdown against. And that's why you draft him. You're hoping for that. You're definitely going to get some of that. Are you not getting red zone targets? Of course not. He had four red zone targets last year. Yeah. He had one catch inside the 10, Jamie. Is that what it is? Uh, one target inside. One target inside the 10. One target inside the 10. Yep. So yeah, that, that's nerve wracking, but we're also talking about a Chiefs offense that's going to pump the ball a lot more. They've got a quarterback that can get it deep. Yeah, I don't see that. And the chemistry is there. I don't think they, they go changing. conservative. I don't think they're changing just because the right. quarterback and, changed. And so Andy Alex Reed Smith has, has found so 4,000 yards. so many different quarterbacks and so many different players that he's used. And his system, for the most part, has been the same. From Donovan to Vic to Smith to now Mahomes. I mean, he doesn't really feature a number one receiver very often. I don't know how many times it's been that he's had a guy over 120 targets. I just don't see Tyreek Hill's targets going up with the addition of Watkins. Now, will his red zone targets go up? That's the hope. He's still a very good player. Dave, everything Dave said is right. You're, you're hoping for big plays. You're hoping for him to still be a dynamic player. I, I get all of that. But if the seven touchdowns go to five, and if the 107 targets, I believe, is what he had, if that goes into the 90s, and, and so maybe he scores a rushing touchdown, and that offsets some of it. But I just think that if you're drafting him to be a number one guy, if you go running back, running back, if you're drafting him to be the the lead receiver of your fantasy receiving core, you're going to be disappointed. I could be wrong. I hope I am. He's a great player. But I, there, there's just so many things that add up to him not having the same type of success and regressing a little bit that it just makes it risky in the first three rounds. If you get him in the early fourth round, it's perfect. I, I'd like to add this. If you pass on Tyreek Hill, it's not like you're passing on Julio Jones or Antonio Brown. You're passing on a guy that's probably going to come close to what he gave you last year, maybe a little bit more. And what did he give you last year? Tyreek Hill gave you 75 catches on 100, I'll take the under. 105 targets with almost 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. He was number six in non-PPR, number nine in PPR. But where would those fantasy points have measured up in previous years? In 2015, he would have been 14th in non-PPR. 2016, 11th. In PPR, though, 18th in 2015, 13th in 2016. See, I think that's where he's closer to. He had the fewest targets of any of the top 16 wide receivers in non-PPR, any of the top 18 in PPR, but he might be a guy that's just capable of doing more with fewer targets. He, I, this I think he's going to be the most efficient on a per-target basis out of this group. Right, he might be, and he had 50, he had five of his seven touchdowns. From 56 yards out or more. 56 yards or longer. That's his game. And, and, That's his game. And I just want to go back, though. So he, you say most efficient. We also could be looking at, at, at a less efficient quarterback. Because yeah, Alex be. Smith is very accurate. We don't know that about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. All right. So uh, there, there's some his, Tyreek Hill debate. His catchable balls may be uh, a problem. Would you rather have Tyreek Hill or Larry Fitzgerald? Fitzgerald. Hill. Hill and standard. Fitzgerald and PPR. Yeah, it's probably the right way. Yeah, uh, how about Tyreek Hill or Juju Smith-Schuster? Hill. Hill in both, but there are similarities between the two. Agreed. Okay. Uh, let me, let's, let's, uh, let's get the Google Assistant out for a, now we did this a lot yesterday, so, you know, we'll spend a few minutes on it today, but let's have a quick Adam Thielen versus Stefan Diggs debate. I know there's some disagreement here. Dave is gonna take the Thielen side. Jamie and Heath, I believe, 
are both on the dig side? Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. I have, we'll find out. I, I have Thielen ranked one spot higher in both formats. So oh. I think it's a, I think it's a coin flip. There, there is something that needs to be said about Thielen and Diggs. We'll do it after the Google Assistant. Okay, yes. If you need help, when maybe the drafting, Google Assistant knows. The Google Assistant will tell us. Um, I tried it. I tried uh, using the Google Assistant during a draft recently. I'm going to give it a shot. Today, when we're doing the two quarterback mock draft, or no, real draft, two quarterback real draft later today, I'm going to ask the Google Assistant. I'm sure I'm going to get to a point where, you know, I, hey, Matthew Stafford or Philip Rivers, something like that. And I will, we'll show you how it works, but make sure you download the Google Assistant. Uh, it's really, really fun to use. It's really, really helpful for fantasy football owners. And let's debate the Minnesota wide receivers again and find out what the Google Assistant thinks. But first, Dave Jamie Heath, Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen? I currently have Thielen ranked higher. I mean, you know where I stand. <laughs> I, I have Thielen one spot higher. I do not have a strong feeling, Thielen, on these two receivers. I, I, I think they're both high-end number two receivers, and Kirk Cousins' preference will determine the winner. And we have them. So Thielen is like top 16. Diggs is top 17. Diggs is up to 11th in non-PPR for Jamie. Um, why, Jamie, do you prefer Diggs to Thielen? I just think that there is a higher ceiling for Diggs because I think he's a better player. I think Adam Thielen is is fantastic, and there's this isn't. I, I hate when we have these conversations because it sounds like whatever side you're taking, you're you're almost downgrading the other guy, uh, or or disliking the other guy. Um, and that's not the case. I would be very happy with Thielen as uh, my number two wide receiver. I just think that Diggs is going to be close to him in catches. So if you want to take him in PPR, Thielen over Diggs, I, I understand that. But I think the yardage and touchdown will, touchdowns will favor Diggs. I think he's going to be the most most targeted Minnesota wide receiver. I just think he's a better player. I mean, it, it's it's not a, a again a knock on Thielen. I just think Diggs has a, a a lot more room to go. Dave, you could say Thielen has a higher floor. I get that too. Dave, what's up? You wanted you said there was something to be said yesterday. You were talking about how Adam Thiel, how Stephon Diggs, if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's pretty unreliable. Was there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, well, let me let me preface by saying that my job is not to talk up players that I just like slash dislike. It's got to be based on something. And there's always going to be facts that can come along that can sway an opinion. And in doing research specifically to get into the Diggs versus Thielen conundrum, I went back and I checked who was more efficient in the red zone. And it just so happens that last year, Stephon Diggs had eight touchdowns. Let's play a game. How many of them were from 20 yards or closer? Three. Last year. Two. Adam says three. He says two. Jamie? Two. The answer is seven. Ooh. Seven of his eight touchdowns came in the red zone last year. Let's move on to Adam Thielen. Thielen has 11 touchdowns in his career. How many of those have come in the red zone? One. Jamie says one. Uh, two. Three. He says two. Three. Adam? Three. Adam says three. He's playing the prices Right game. The correct answer is five. Yeah, so I win. Less than half of Thielen's touchdowns have come in the red zone. And almost all of Diggs' touchdowns last year come in the red zone. Here's the icing on the cake. And this is just talking about touchdowns. This isn't talking about um, yardage or anything like that. Kirk Cousins, in his career, has a 100 touchdown passes, including the playoffs. How many of those came in the red zone? And you know that this is going to be a high number just because quarterbacks tend to score most of their touchdowns in the red zone. But 72. how high is it? 72 says Heath Gunn. No, 53. 53 says Adam Azer. What does Jamie Eisenberg say? 65. Jamie Eisenberg is closest with 64. So oh, but he went over. Percentage. I win again. He went over. We're talking about a quarterback who was a master in the red zone in Washington, getting better receivers in Minnesota. If Stefan Diggs has a way, if he's got a knack for scoring touchdowns, I have to concede that he's got the chance to score more touchdowns than Adam Thielen based on the information that I've just That given makes you. me like Kyle Rudolph even more. Yeah, I, did. I was actually thinking about that too. Well, and that's the other thing. How many of these touchdowns from from uh, Kirk Cousins have gone to tight ends slash wide I would say a lot because right. uh, Jordan Reed, Gar- Garcon, not a big touchdown guy. Deshaun Jackson, not a big touchdown guy. The other thing that happened with Cousins that was weird in Washington, it may be just a testament to Alex Smith's uh, – underratedness good word he had like i think he had four or five rushing touchdowns almost every year in washington he's not a rushing quarterback he doesn't have a lot of rushing attempts so when they were in the red zone i don't know if that was because cousins decided to scramble 
And if it is, that kind of hurts both players' touchdown upside. Yeah, or it's true. if it was because Gruden was designing quarterback runs in the red zone only, which would be huge for Alex Smith, who is an athletic quarterback. A hundred touchdowns from Kirk Cousins. How many of them went to tight ends? Anybody want to guess? Forty-five. No, thirty-eight. Thirty-one. Twenty-nine. Oh man! All right, so Dave, are you moving Diggs ahead of Thielen? I don't know if I'm ready to yet. I'm going to continue the last-minute research, and I'm also going to continue watching the Vikings preseason games because I I I don't want to re. I'm definitely not going to react to what I saw in the first preseason game. Diggs was on a rookie corner for the touchdown for the big play. Uh, I, but I think the research is worth doing because I think this is an important question to figure out. The biggest yeah. point of all of this is Kirk Cousins should be a top eight quarterback. <laughs> he, he's moved up for me. I think he's, he's a good one. All right. We got to focus back on wide receivers. We're going to end this debate. So Dave, Jamie, and Heath don't necessarily agree on Thielen versus Diggs. So let's find out what the Google Assistant thinks. Come on, Google. So here's what we do. We just, we get the app wait, out. Wait, wait, wait. Who came up with this question? Who thought that this was a good question to ask Google? One of you guys. I don't know. It was Jamie. Uh, so we already know. I have no idea. Oh, okay, good. Uh, well, do. here's what you, well, okay. First of all, you say, hey, Google, talk to CBS Sports. Hi, this is CBS Sports, and we are using our fantasy football computer projections and expert rankings to answer your player-specific draft questions. Ask a question like, should I draft Matt Ryan, or should I draft Matt Ryan or Alex Smith? Should I draft Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen? Take Stefan Diggs. He is projected yeah. to be the number nine wide receiver in both standard nine. and PPR leagues. Adam Thielen is projected to be the number 16 wide receiver in both standard and PPR leagues. What else would you like to know? Oh, meaning of what life. What should I have for lunch today? What should I have for, but always, just always default to burrito. You can never go wrong with burrito. And I hope you all enjoyed that demo of the Google Assistant. That's how it works. It's very easy. It's very quick. It's very fun. Uh, can break your ties, give you the guidance that you need on draft day. Make sure you download the Google Assistant app or use Google Assistant on Android all season long by asking, Hey Google, talk to CBS Sports. And each week we're going to tackle the key fantasy questions, so submit your questions to fantasyfootball at cbsi.com or if you want to be on HQ at CBS Fantasy on Twitter to have your questions answered next week live on HQ at CBS Fantasy on Twitter. All right, let's get back to ADP. So those guys are round three picks, but in CBSSports.com leagues, I'm just going to use CBS Sports ADP here because uh, there seems to be a glitch <laughs> uh, elsewhere. Stefan Diggs is 32nd overall. Thielen is 41st. There's a big gap. Stefan Diggs is going ahead of T.Y. Hilton. As much as we're enthused about Diggs, we're not quite ready to do that yet. So it goes Diggs, Hilton, Tyreek Hill, Amari Cooper. Yesterday I asked you guys, who's the the player who can jump into the next tier? I don't remember if we had any votes for for Diggs, but like jump into the elite tiers with the A.J. Greens and all that. But we did have some thoughts, some sentiment for Amari Cooper. And I it made me kind of go back and just realize I'm too down on Amari Cooper. I didn't really like him. I drafted him reluctantly last weekend. But you know what, guys? I, I'm feeling like... At the very least, he should be able to get back to what he was in 2016. 83 catches, 1,153 yards, only five touchdowns. That can go up. Crabtree's gone. Crabtree scored eight or nine touchdowns all three seasons with the Raiders. Like, I should be more optimistic about Amari Cooper. Is he worth a, a late third-round pick? He is. And he if he just gets back to the 130 targets he had his first two years in the league— and gives us the efficiency that he had in 2017 or anything close to it. Because his problem those first two years were the touchdowns. He scored six touchdowns and five touchdowns, both years with over 130 targets. Had 96 last year and played injured most of the year and scored seven touchdowns. So, yeah, I think absolutely he could see a career high in targets and touchdowns. Was he injured most of the year? He was injured he through off and on. And he missed two games. Yeah. I know Carr had the back problem. That that certainly was a problem. They were all walking wounded. It was a mess. You got to like what John Gruden keeps saying about Amari Cooper. Um, I know there's some some excitement about Jordy Nelson, but can he play 16 games? I don't know. You know, I mean, you never want to bank on injury, but older receiver that's had some injury troubles the last couple of seasons. Uh, you look at Martavis Bryant, you know, he seems to be kind of locked into what you would expect his role to be, you know, just kind of a one-trick pony. Um you know, Cooper should dominate targets. The, the question becomes, as Heath said, 130 targets his first two years. He was never used in the red zone. He was basically Tyreek Hill. And so get him the ball in the red zone a little bit more. Remember we saw that at the beginning last year, first game last season? He had his, uh, I think, two red zone targets, scored a touchdown. 
Um, if they feature him more in that in that role, that'll be great. And they used him in, out of the slot in the first preseason game a little bit, which if that continues and they move him around, that's some wrinkle that John Gruden can bring that will certainly make his, you know, I, I think efficiency even better. Well, and they did that with him one game that I remember last year. He was Chiefs, outstanding. When he had the 200-yard receiver. Right. He had, well, like, he, had, he had 50 targets in that game, yeah. too. All right, so, so so let me give a couple stats real quick on Cooper to wrap this up. I got one more, too. Cooper had zero targets inside the 10-yard line as a rookie, but he had seven and eight the last two seasons. So that should be, one, a lesson about Tyreek Hill and also a lesson about Amari Cooper. But Tyreek Hill actually just uh, had seven red, seven targets inside the 10-yard line uh, in 2016, only one last year. I, I find this to be a somewhat unreliable stat with the exception of a few players. Um if you look at Cooper's season and you see his final line of 48 catches, 670 yards, 680 yards and seven touchdowns, it's pathetic in 14 games. If you take out the two games that he left early with injuries, he didn't even make it to halftime, and you give him 12 games and you give him a 16-game pace, it's still alarming, but it's 907 yards and eight touchdowns, which isn't like, oh, my gosh, that's terrible. So the That'd 600- be great. That's, that's almost Devonta Adams. Yeah, but we're hoping for for more than a thousand yards. Nine hundred seven is not that great, but but still, you you got to take the numbers with a grain of salt because of the injuries. Because he left two games early. Dave, wrap wrap up our Cooper discussion. John Gruden has called plays eleven years in the NFL. A receiver, the number one receiver in his offense, has given you at least a thousand yards and six touchdowns in ten wow. of those eleven years. Wow, great! Stat. And Gruden is not changing his ways. We've all kind of discerned that. I, I think that that's the biggest reason to buy it back into Amari. It's a big year for Jordy. Jordy <laughs> so, so he goes similarly to a guy who's, you know, in, in a similar situation. You, you hope that there's better production there, but Demarius Thomas really has just, he's got, he's played worse. He's gotten worse statistically three straight years. He's dealt with some nagging injuries and mostly been able to stay on the field. In fact, entirely been able to stay on the field. Six straight seasons of 16 games. Hip injury, neck injury, uh, stuff like that. Who do you like better, Cooper or Thomas? I'm assuming it's Cooper, but are they are they similar? Talk about those two guys, Cooper versus Thomas. I go back and forth on both. Um, I, I think you know the, the fact that they're going to move Thomas around a little bit, I think, will help. Obviously, the better quarterback will definitely be the biggest thing for him. In fact, he's in shape. I mean, Heath, you, you mentioned the other day about his diet that he's you know changed his uh, his his nutrition to try and help some of the hip problems that have plagued him the last couple of years. I think he's uh, enthused, you know, from the reports out of Denver. You know, he was moping around with the quarterback situation probably, but the way that the team was going. Um, so Case Keenum, I'm sure, has invigorated him a little bit. I think you're going to get, you know, to me, I think he's the guy that sort of moves into the, you know, how Reggie Wayne went from uh, a dominant outside receiver to more of a guy that moves around and, and became a little bit more of a possession guy. Larry Fitzgerald has done that the last couple of years. I think Thomas is the next guy to do that as well. So if they move him in the slot a little bit more, I think he can get back to the 90 catch guy, still be a thousand yards, uh, five date touchdowns. He's, he's a very safe wide receiver in that round three, round four range. That's how they get Cortland Sutton on the field. Absolutely. More too, is by putting him in the slot more. And I, I, I actually like Thomas more than Cooper. Just a little bit more in non-PPR and quite a bit more in PPR. And I'm just a little bit higher on Thomas in PPR, and I'll take Cooper in none. So he's gotten 140 or more targets in, I think, six straight seasons, Demarius Thomas. Yeah, that's a good thing. Just It's great. Thing. I like that. When you compare yeah. him to Cooper, though, I mean, he's a lot older. He's 30, and that's not that old. A lot of, like He's, about, I think, the same age as Antonio Brown. Julio Jones is, I think, 29. Um he feels older though. He does. I just feel like there's a downward trend with him and I feel like there's, there are always excuses with him. And I get it. The quarterbacks have been really bad, but I just wonder if we're overrating Case Keenum. Um, I don't know. It's a, he's a tough call for me. Like I, I'm kind of excited to draft Amari Cooper now. Go back and watch the first preseason game and see Paxton Lynch play. Then you'll, then you'll see the yeah, difference yeah, in what I he know. dealt with the last Well, game. and like there's always excuses for him, but he's had what? Three straight years of number two wide receiver production, and he was number one wide receiver the three years before that. Like we're making excuses for him not being a number one receiver. No, but I think what Adam's talking about is, and you just you just alluded to it. He was one, then he was two. Will he stay two? You know, as, as right, a number right. two receiver, does, does he get back to that number one level? Because he's being drafted as a top fifteen guy. And so I think when you when you draft somebody as a top fifteen guy, you're you're thankful that you're getting a number two guy, but you're hoping that he gets back to the number one level. Right. And so right. I I think the point would be is that. 
we had this Emmanuel Sanders conversation last year. I don't know if both guys can take the leap back up to where they were with Peyton. That's no, not, they're not, not that much. No, right. And then if you do factor in having a third receiver, because they never really had that, if Sutton does anything, whether it's you know he takes five touchdowns, because I think that could, that could some that's something that could happen. And now you factor in the tight end being better because Jake Butt could be better than what they've had the last couple of years since Julius Thomas. So where does all this come from? Is it just that Case Keenum has this same type of year that he had last year? I don't know if that's the case. So I think Thomas is in the right range. You know, if you like him better than Cooper, fine. If you like Cooper better, go that route. Yeah, I was what I was going to say was I, I'm getting excited to draft Cooper. I don't feel quite that way about Thomas, but it sounds like you guys do. You you, you feel good about him uh, early round four, let's say. And then the next group of wide receivers, you can understand why Demarius Thomas, who seems to be a lock for 140 targets, goes ahead of this group. Juju Smith-Schuster, Jarvis Landry, Golden Tate, Larry Fitzgerald, Josh Gordon. And pretty soon we'll get into Allen Robinson and Brandon Cooks, who's going a lot later in CBS. Remember, I'm back on CBS ADP. I apologize for mixing it up. Cooks going a lot later on CBS than he is in Fantasy Pro's uh, composite ADP, which looks at a bunch of different sites. So it sounds like you guys are heeding the call of of the bust call on Brandon Cooks if he's the fourth-round pick. All right, anyway, I'll give this group again. After Demarius Thomas, we are late round four and actually into round five with Juju Smith-Schuster, Jarvis Landry, Golden Tate, Larry Fitzgerald. There's no way you're getting him in round five in a PPR league. And Josh Gordon. Um, so two Browns wide receivers plus Tate, Fitzgerald, and Juju. Who's your favorite, Dave? My favorite of the ones that you mentioned, I think of the ones you mentioned, is going to be Robinson. I, did, he, I didn't get to Larry, him. I didn't get to him. Larry Fitzgerald. You haven't gotten to Robinson. He's next, but that's fine. You can throw Robinson in there. Right. So then I don't think you mentioned Thielen. We already talked about Diggs. I think it's Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, no. Thielen and Diggs are in a group ahead of this. So it's Fitzgerald. Right. Fitzgerald in PPR. What about in non-PPR? Fitzgerald. I like Fitzgerald more than all these guys. Yep. Even in non-PPR? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I just think that volume is going to be massively in his favor. That receiving uh, core is bad. Let's take a and look at – And the quarterbacks are better. Let's take Maybe. a look at where Fitzgerald And what finished. they had after Carson Palmer last year, it's better. Um, Maybe. In, in PPR, he's been 7th, 11th, and 4th last three years. In non-PPR, he's been 10th, 16th, and 9th last three years. And, and that is with – Nine, six, and six touchdowns. And he's what, the tw- 19th receiver off the board? Uh, yeah, roughly. It's ageism. It is. He, uh, in fantasy pros, he's, where is he? He's 16th. Uh, yeah, something, more like 19th on CBS. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster played four games without either Antonio Brown or Martavis Bryant. He was a beast in all four of those games. Uh, he had more than 11 fantasy points in non-PPR, 11 or more in all four games. He had 114 or more yards in three of them. He caught a touchdown in three games of four. There's a lot to like about Juju Smith-Schuster, but I keep coming back to this, and I do, I do like him, but I keep thinking about this. I feel like the way I feel about Juju is exactly how I felt about Martavis Bryant a year ago. And what did the Steelers do? They went and they drafted a wide receiver in the second round, Juju Smith-Schuster. And what did the Steelers do this offseason? They drafted a wide receiver 60th overall, two spots ahead of where Smith-Schuster went the year before. Um, are there similarities here? Like, Because Martavis was a massive bust. I think there's similarities to the role that James Washington, who's the receiver that you're referencing, yeah. and Martavis. And Washington has gotten very good camp reports. Roethlisberger's talked him up. They've connect, He's connected deep not only with Ben, but he was college teammates with Mason Rudolph, who the Steelers also drafted. So those two obviously have chemistry, and it's making Washington look good in camp. I'm wondering if he's going to get that number three role, and that this can work both ways for Juju and Antonio Brown because he's a field stretcher that defenses are eventually going to have to pay attention to, and he could also take targets away from both of them. I don't think he's a big enough threat to do that to Brown or Juju, to be honest with you, but it makes me like Roethlisberger even more. I'll tell you that. I think when you look at Juju, the Martavis Bryant absence is the biggest thing for him because he was fourth on the team in targets last year. There's no way that's going to be the case again. He may be second. It's just a matter of how many targets Le'Veon gets. So with the jump from, I think he had 90 targets to probably close to 120, uh, I think Juju's in line to have a, a very nice, if not tremendous season. 
Yeah, does he have more upside than the other guys in this group than than Larry Fitzgerald and I'll even say Josh Gordon, Golden Tate? I don't think he has more upside than Fitzgerald. I don't think he has more upside than Gordon if Gordon actually plays 16 games. But he's got a lot of upside. Um, Agree or disagree real quick. Juju Smith-Schuster has more upside than Larry Fitzgerald in non-PPR but not in PPR. I disagree. Disagree. Disagree, but if Antonio Brown continues to get nicked up, then oh, of course, the whole conversation <laughs> changes. I guess you could say if Antonio Brown yeah. gets hurt, Juju has more upside than Larry Fitzgerald. Ju- Juju is the wide receiver in a much better light because he's got clearly a lot of standalone value comparison to Tevin Coleman. Is there anyone in this group, Juju, Landry, Tate, Fitzgerald, Gordon, and then I'll throw Allen Robinson in there that you're avoiding? Well, Juju, I'm avoiding Robinson. Um. No one. Can we talk about the Browns, guys? It's August 16th right now, and Josh Gordon's still not in camp. And, of course, you know, we do these position previews a little bit early. I think people are going to start drafting beginning this weekend, but mostly after that. But but still, I mean, we'll give you the position. Things are going to change. That's my point. They're fluid. And, of course, we'll update everything as it happens. But, I mean, there's got to be some concern with Gordon. His ADP keeps on falling. And Landry might really be tied to Gordon because – you know, in, in Jarvis Landry's last three seasons with Miami, he has been a number two wide receiver in both formats. And he's been obviously top, I think top 17 every year in PPR. Um, and no, top 17 every year in, in non-PPR, top 14 in PPR three straight years. The best we've ever seen a number two receiver do on the Dolphins in that stretch is 847 yards and six touchdowns by Kenny Stills last year. So I, I think we would expect more from Josh Gordon uh, than that, and I wonder, you know, like I would love Landry if Gordon's out. I don't oh, know. I don't know how to approach this. Situation. Yeah, he, he's he's a star if if he's not there. And Tyrod attempted five passes against the Giants. Two of them went to Landry. Um, you know that kind of goes without saying, but they do like Rashard Higgins. They do like Antonio Callaway. Uh, two of the five went to uh, early. One, sorry, one of the five went to Najoku with the touchdown. Um, so. It's twofold. One is, is Josh Gordon showing up and when does he show up? And two, do they sign Dez? Because, you know, he's visiting there. It might be today. Um, I, I thought it was supposed to be on Wednesday, but he, he's somebody that they're talking about. And if you watch Hard Knocks, you know, after they traded Corey Coleman, uh, John Dorsey sat down with one of the front office people and was like, okay, who, who's available via trade or, you know, uh, uh, on the market? So there are gonna, they are gonna bring in someone, it, it, it would seem. Um, Especially if Gordon's not there, so I do think if you're if you've already drafted Landry early in the process and we're afraid of what his numbers would look like if Gordon's there, you probably got to steal. Oh, if you're right, sort of valuing him, right, yeah. Sorry, go, go, ahead, go ahead. No, if sorry. you're sort of like I, I just think you know you're talking about a guy that had 160 targets, 112 catches. I'd probably knock off 20 off the top easy. You know, so I, I think he's still a 90 catch guy. I think he's going to be 140 targets. That's just the nature of his game. Even Is if Gordon's great? there. Even if Gordon yeah. is there, yeah. yeah. And I think the one thing that may be different for him that's actually a plus, he, we saw it on the very first target they threw to him. It wasn't a typical Jarvis Landry target. It was a 30 yard catch. And he's yep. talked about how his route tree has expanded under Todd Haley. They're not using one of the same types of routes. Yeah, they, I, I, they have to do that if Josh Gordon's not there. They don't have a choice. Yeah. They, they can't well, no, leave they, him in the they, slot and leave Callaway and Richard Higgins out on well, the I outside. Mean, they can. Uh, they, they shouldn't. Well, I mean, yeah, you can. It's just a matter of, you know, what, where are you maximizing your, your talent? And, and Landry's one of the best, if not the best slot receivers in the NFL. So it doesn't make sense to necessarily force him outside just because the better outside guys are not there. I think you just got to sort of look at what his career numbers have been. He's a 10 and a half yard per catch type of guy. So if he gets you 90 catches, you're looking at 900 yards, maybe 950. At best case scenario is probably about a thousand. And he's five to eight touchdowns. He's a very good player. Yeah. He is, but he's never had a situation with a pass-catching running back, a tight end that they're pretty invested in, a wide receiver who's so much better than anything he's ever played with in Miami. That's why he scared me a little bit. But now if Josh Gordon's not there, I mean, I, I see I see so much potential. I think it's a tough call. Who do you draft first, Jarvis Landry or Josh Gordon? Landry today. Uh, Landry. You have to. And but when when I, are you comfortable I, drafting Gordon? Fifth round? Earliest? I've got him with the last pick in round six. Ooh, oh, that's early. That's late. I mean, that's yeah, not too and late. Yeah, he's going to keep late. falling. Uh, and Heath, you said you don't want to draft Allen Robinson. I don't want to draft Allen Robinson if any of these guys are on the board. I think he's just, he's just outside my top 24 wide receivers. And I've 
I, I think Pete Briscoe said it well. It's kind of foolish to act like the Bears are going to be this year's Rams. They will be better, I think. I, I certainly expect that. But I don't have any reason to expect that they're going to produce a, a top 20 wide receiver, especially if they spread the ball around. Like, it's not just Trey Burton, who I think gets a lot of targets. Tariq Cohen's going to get a lot of targets. Adam Shaheen's actually going to be involved in the offense. They've made that pretty clear. They want to throw the ball a little bit more to Jordan Howard. Anthony Miller is emerging. I just don't know if the volume is going to be there for him. You're, you're drafting Allen Robinson in this range, expecting 2015 Allen Robinson. No, I don't think so. Yes, that's, well, that's, that's I would. Uh, if I'm that, expecting 2015 Allen what, Robinson, I'm taking him much higher. Than you, this. you ask people that are high on Allen Robinson, that's why they're drafting him but, in this range. But this because isn't that high. Exists. Yeah, but this isn't that high though because he's going in the sixth round nah, on, on CBS. Yeah, I haven't seen that. What, what I've seen round three, round four. I've oh. seen four, five. No, I've never seen round three. So, so I think round four is fine. When would you draft? He's going 63rd. When would you draft Allen Robinson? Wow. And you're right. I, I never see him go that late. When would you draft Allen Robinson? Round four. Five. I think volume will be in his favor. I think he's a dynamite end zone threat. Uh, I'll say 135. Wow. I'll take the under. I will take him at the very end of round. How many, have, how many targets you have in projected for? I've got him for 129. Really? But he does, I don't, like I, his catch rate's never been that great. I don't know. So how many catches you give him? 75? 69. All right, we're going to move on. Yards? We're going to get past Nine this. Gonna get wow, past. that's a low average. we got so many to get to, guys. We're, we're not even at wide receiver 30. But, you know, it's been a long offseason without football. We do have some preseason football tonight. <laughs> FanDuel is in the best shape of their lives. FanDuel is going to be awesome this year. We are going to freaking love playing on FanDuel this year, as we do every year. And you can get a $20 bonus if you go to FanDuel.com slash FFT and make your first deposit. So go to FanDuel.com slash FFT and make your first deposit on FanDuel. So what is FanDuel? It is salary cap daily fantasy sports, and it's not just football. There's plenty You can play baseball right now on, on FanDuel. You can play a whole bunch of sports, but football is so fun. Every week, just get yourself a new team or get as many teams as you want. You heard Heath talk about yesterday. He has like 100 teams on FanDuel uh, every Sunday. You can play in small contests with just your friends. You can play in contests with you know several thousand people and play for high stakes. You can play for a dollar. There's the week one Sunday million contest. Uh, there's so many different types of things you can do. And there's preseason contests on FanDuel. So it's really, really fun. It is my favorite place to play fantasy sports. FanDuel's never been better, never been easier to play than right now. And if you're not a fantasy expert, it's clearly the best place to play because FanDuel has something for everyone. So go to FanDuel.com slash FFT and get a $20 bonus when you make your first deposit. Again, that URL is FanDuel.com slash FFT. All right, we're going to go through the names now, and I want you to tell me who you like and who you don't. And we are past uh, the Tate. And let me just say about Golden Tate, by the way. he He's a very steady wide number two wide receiver in PPR, right? I mean, you should never feel bad about Tate if, if he's your number two receiver in PPR. Right. Fair? Yeah. He's a yeah. little underrated. He's kind of Unless... Jarvis Landry-like. I, I, you can't feel that way and feel like Carrion Johnson is going to be a monster this year. Because I think a big part of why Golden Tate had so many catches is because the Lions couldn't run the ball. But it's every he year. He was an extension he, of that run game. I know it's been every year, but the Lions years. haven't been able to run the ball every year. All right, that's a good if they, point. If they can run the ball better, you're going to see Golden Tate have a bad year. Ooh. I, I, he's 90 catches four straight years. Um, I mean, look, the Dolphins ran the ball pretty well the last two years with Ajayi and Drake, right? And and Jarvis Landry. What does that have to do with the line? I, I think Golden Tate and Jarvis Landry are very similar. I think Jarvis Landry still got his catches. Yeah, but Landry just ended up in a different situation. Golden Tate is 90, 1,005. I've got him for 89, 10, 10, and 5. Yep. That's, that's what you're getting. What is, is a very good number. How many, how many carries for carry on? Just randomly. I've got them running the ball slightly more, but I've not totally bought into the fact that they're Okay. Okay. The okay. So then now your projection makes sense to me. Okay. Let's, let's move on. After the after this group, we've got let's see where we're at. So Brandon Cooks, when, when Cooks or Robinson, Cooks Robinson Robinson, Marvin Jones, Alshon Jeffrey, Michael Crabtree, Marvin Jones, Alshon Jeffrey, Michael Crabtree. What round feels right for those guys? I I think I'm getting sucked back into the Marvin Jones um, vortex. 
I, I, lo- I know that he got banged up like he got dinged at the beginning of training camp, but everything I see is that he's on the same page with Stafford. I'd rather have Marvin Jones than Cooks or Robinson in both formats. I agree. And I'm looking at Marvin Jones as one of those last Phew, I got a number two wide receiver, and I would take him in round five. Round six. Marvin in both formats. Marvin Jones is like a sixty catch guy, isn't he? Fifty seven. Sixty one last year. Oh. Yeah, I, I I think what you're you're gonna get closer to his numbers two years ago than what you got last year. Last year was too fluky for me. You look at his his three of his five best games came when Galladay was out. Yeah, now I I looked into that Jamie because I I felt the same way, and that is true. Three of his five games, three of his four highest yardage totals were in the five games that Galladay missed. In the eight games that Marvin Jones and Galladay Galladay played together after Galladay's injury, the eight games when he came back. Jones still did pretty well. He had. Well, he's good. Yeah, he's good. He, he, yeah, but he's, yeah. I, I just think you got to take it with a grain of salt that somebody's going to lose with the run game with Galladay playing 16 games and being more involved. Right. And we, we think Galladay's like, going to be solid, right? I think Galladay could be could be solid. Yes, but there's also a lot of room for regression from Marvin Jones and still being a top 24 wide receiver. Agree on that. Yes. How do you feel about Crabtree? I, I'd rather have him than Robinson or Cooks. Okay. I feel like I feel like he is a number two receiver by default. I think he's going to be the number one target in Baltimore. I think he's going to continue to be a red zone threat in Baltimore. I don't think I, there's a lot of talk about John Brown. I'm not buying that as being legit. Um, I just I don't know if he's going to get a thousand yards on top of it all. If you go to Joe Flacco's heyday, their Super Bowl winning run, uh, Crabtree's Bolden, John Brown, Story Smith, and Sneed would be, I don't know, Campanero. <laughs> so we, and, and Alshon's also in this group, but he's falling. Obviously, when is the right time to take Alshon Jeffrey? When does he become good value? Eight or nine. Yeah. Yuck. Wow. Okay. Uh, we've got Sammy Watkins, Chris Hogan, Pierre Garcon, Randall Cobb. I'm going to throw Corey Davis in there. He's not necessarily here with uh, CBS, but maybe he should be. And we're into, you know, we're at round seven, round eight. Sammy Watkins, Chris Hogan, Pierre Garçon, Randall Cobb, and and Corey Davis. What do you think of that group? Hogan's my favorite by far. Yeah, I, I, Hogan is my ah, – the Corey Davis thing throws this all off. Well, what's wrong with Corey Davis? What don't you like? He doesn't – like he can't consistently stay on the field. And he's back at practice now, and he's doing great things, and Marietta's throwing him the ball. And if he stays healthy, I think he's the best of this group. But Hogan is probably the guy that you should draft first, unless you're just drafting on upside at this point. I, and I would be. And that's exactly why I've got Davis one spot ahead of Hogan. Yeah, I think the upside still favors Hogan. I asked Dave yesterday, is Chris Hogan is considered an outside receiver? And you said they move him everywhere? The, he, I'll, I'll, he can play everywhere. But I think for the purposes of what the Patriots offense needs, I think Hogan's going to be outside. Well, he'll play everywhere the first four weeks. Yeah, sure. Let me just say this. Since Randy Moss, 10 seasons ago, so the last nine seasons, the Patriots have not had an outside receiver, not with the first name of anything other than Brandon, have a 700-yard season. If your name is Brandon, LaFell, Lloyd, and Cooks, it's still not that good. None of them, in nine seasons, an outside receiver has never scored more than seven touchdowns, never had a 1,000 yards. Uh, Cooks may have gotten right around a thousand yards. He had he had the most. Uh, only I guess one season of of uh, more than eight hundred yards. Oh darn! I'm getting nine hundred yards and uh, seven touchdowns. I don't know if you are though. Are you going to get what Brandon Cooks got last year? Well, my point is, outside receivers have not done he might well. Do better. Have not done well in this offense. This is I, I like. I'm with you. I like Hogan, but I was surprised. Outside receivers do not do well. This is an offense that is dominated by tight ends and slot receivers. We've learned this. We learned this from Chad Johnson. This is a Patriots offense that works from the inside out. So, yes, you're right, Adam. It's the slot receivers. It's the tight ends. It's those easier throws. Where Hogan does have an edge is where he's been at his best, and that's the red zone. So I can't. I can't just, you know, Say, oh, don't draft Chris Hogan because he's an outside receiver. He's going to be in single coverage. He's a good route runner. He's got a tall body. And Tom Brady has already had an affinity for throwing to him down there. And I also think that we are out of the 1,000-yard range for receivers. I disagree. I think Corey Davis can get there. He could, but that shouldn't be your expectation. No, but but at the point we're at in ADP and in the draft, I'm going to take a shot on that versus Chris Hogan, who's never done it. 
and doesn't have that odd that those odds in his favor. See, I'm, I'm surprised year. you say that because you you like Anderson and Goodwin, and I think both those guys have thousand yard. Potential. I agree. I think they do too. They, the potential. Yeah, I think Hogan has thousand yard potential. I don't expect it. I don't think it's a reasonable expectation. Well, I mean, you're saying they're out of the, out of the range. I mean, those are guys. Also, that, those those are all guys that could be number one receivers on their respective teams. Right. And and I have Anderson and Goodwin ranked ahead of a lot of guys that we've talked about so far. So that okay. was just a little bit of a misspeak. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Cooks had almost 1,100 yards. That was by far the best of an outside receiver since Randy Moss in 2008, I believe. Or and what was missing last year? Edelman. That's right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Um, all right. Give me a quick thought on Sammy Watkins. Meh. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm not sure why I still have him ranked as high as I have him ranked. <laughs> I think it's because I believe he can contribute in a variety of ways. Red zone threat, deep threat, and he'll get more targets this year than he had last year. He, he if, if not, then they made. If not, the then dumbest, he got hurt. Dumbest signings than they've ever. Really made. expensive decoy. Duck, yeah. Duck hunters buy expensive decoys too. I think, I think you're looking at. It was a at, great game on Nintendo. I think the touchdowns could be the same for him and the yards and catches should come up, but I still think he's just the number three receiver at best. Pierre Garcon. It's funny because I, I, you have to buy into Goodwin as the number one guy, but I think this is going to make Pierre Garcon a great value. Because he's still going ahead of Goodwin, right? On ADP, but I, I don't think so in the drafts that you're seeing because you, you can't read anything coming out of San Francisco and not buy into Marquise Goodwin. And I'm as big a Pierre Garcon fan as you'll find, and I've moved Goodwin ahead of him. I think it's just a matter of Garcon may still lead them in catches just based on the role that he'll play. But Goodwin's upside is much higher. So let let Garcon fall to you at a good spot. This is probably a little bit too high in the range we're talking about. But it would not surprise me at all if he's 75, 1,004. That would surprise me. Quick thought I'm, on I'm worried about uh, on Randall Cobb. Is he – you know, I, I like Cobb. Uh, on CBS ADP, he's going 86th. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, it might have to yep. go a little earlier than that, though, based on the drafts we've been doing. But 86, sure. I, I do wonder though if he's getting worse. You know, he just like his yards per catch has gone down. I think three straight seasons. Yeah, he just hasn't really been that good of a player. We're hoping that he just steps into that role. I, I told you about Green Bay wide receivers; they get peppered with red zone targets. Twice in the last four seasons, two Green Bay wide receivers have finished in the top four in red zone targets in the same season. So there's always a Packers wide receiver up there leading red zone targets. Sometimes it's Cobb, but uh, he. The last three seasons, he's averaged 10.5, 10.2, and 9.9 yards per catch. That's scary. He was he was over he was about 14 before that. He's uh, a slot guy who isn't a lock to stay healthy for long periods of time. Yeah, and I think like unless Jimmy Graham gets hurt, Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham are probably the two guys that are leading the, the league in red zone targets. I think Garcon's a lot like or Cobb's a lot like Garcon, but they're both going too early. I just like Aaron Rodgers' track record of getting two receivers in the top 24. Top and 10. If not Cobb, top 12. Uh, Cobb last year at the start of the season, before he got hurt, so your point is valid, Dave, that he does have a hard time staying healthy. But before he got hurt, his first couple games, if you just you know project that out over 16 games, would have been fantastic if Rodgers had stayed healthy. Okay. Um, yeah, so it, it's like with Devontae Adams, you know, we expect him to be top 10, but it's I think it's – Two receivers have been top 12. I don't know. I'm screwing this stat up, but there are always multiple receivers basically that do well. And the there's concern that it could be Jimmy Graham That's acting true. as the receiver. It could be Geronimo Allison. It could be Geronimo, but I think players are going to have to get hurt for that to happen. Um, Edelman, we talked about a lot yesterday, but 88th overall, is that okay? Wide receiver about 30, 31. Yep. I moved him down. I'm, I'm not as excited to draft him in non-PPR as I, I just, was before. Like, uh, I'm I'm too distracted by the fact that three of my top 33 receivers are still available. Right, who who who? Uh, Robbie Anderson, Marquise Goodwin, and Kenny Stills. What about Robert Woods? No, no Robert Woods. He is right behind those guys and well ahead of a lot of the guys we're talking about. I'm, I'm looking did, I'm looking at this range of ADP and I'm really liking it. We're in the 90s. Yeah, it's great. It's Woods. I don't know that we like Jordy Nelson in this range, but Woods, no. Jordy Nelson, Emmanuel Sanders, Cooper Cup, who had among, among the most red zone targets in the NFL last year, Marquise Goodwin, Will Fuller, Devin Funches, Robbie Anderson. You still have Nelson Aguilar on the board later. I mean, Jamie, it's a good group here. This could be, if you wait and wait and wait, this could be a great number four wide receiver, even a usable number three maybe for these guys. 
It also uh, sets you up to, if you want to go running back, running back, especially if you pick early in the first round, that you can take two running backs. Or if you want to go running back, running back, tight end, you know, in the in the Kelsey Ertz group in the two three swing, uh, take a quarterback in round four, and then just go with probably throwing in a third running back in there. But then just take three receivers, and you know, probably one of these guys could be. A uh, top 15 guy, uh, could be Goodwin, could be Fuller, could be, you know, whoever ends up having that, that big breakout performance, Corey Davis. Um, but yeah, it, it, it gives you the opportunity to really stockpile a lot of depth. Uh, and then to your point, Adam, if you want to just, you know, take two receivers early and then wait to get your third guy in this range, it's perfect. Uh, so who are the guys that you're targeting? Heath likes Robbie Anderson and, um, Marquise Goodwin and who was the third stealing. one? And Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills, just stealing. But you take that. You take Kenny Stills over Robert Woods and Emmanuel Sanders. I would. I would take Kenny Stills over Alshon Jeffrey, certainly Sammy Watkins. Oh my God, no. Garcon, yeah, no. I would three. No. Kenny, no. Kenny Stills. Jordy. Kenny Stills had. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games last year with four or fewer fantasy points. Kenny How many did he play with Tanhill? Zero. And How many did he play with Devontae Parker not on the field? Devontae Parker. How many did he play be, with Jarvis Landry on the field? Devontae Parker. Okay, How many back. games is Alshon Jeffrey gonna play in the first two months of the season? Oh my you gotta go for upside here. First of all, uh, you could argue that we Kenny are. Stills' best production has come without Ryan Tannehill, because he's caught, I think, three touchdowns in three games from Matt Moore at the end of the 2016 season. Obviously, everything he did last year was with Jay Cutler. Devontae Parker, he's not out for the season, guys. He might be ready for week one. Or they, he might be traded. They added or Albert might, Wilson. They added yeah. Danny Amendola. Like, I I mean, Alshon Jeffrey's just a superior player to Kenny Stills on a superior offense. See, here's the thing. We, we talk about upside, but Kenny Stills has averaged 16 yards per reception. He scores a touchdown, what, once about every 12 or 15 targets? If he gets 120 targets as the best receiver in the Dolphins offense, which I think we should probably expect at this point that he will, that's a great season. Uh, 120 targets? I don't, I guess. He had 105 last year with Jarvis Landry on the team. Yeah, I know. I just, I just don't see, I don't see him as that kind of player. I I don't think he's, I don't think he's a number one wide receiver. He's their best, he's their best receiver. I'm saying it all offseason. He's their best receiver. The minute Jarvis Landry walked out the door, He's their most talented guy. You can say about Devontae Parker all you want to, pedigree, I tried whatever. for a while. Parker, Parker stinks. And they, it sounds like they're done with him, which you could understand why. He should be. Danny Amendola is what he is. He's a slot receiver. He, he may lead them in catches. I don't think that's a stretch if he stays healthy, but he's had a hard time staying healthy. And Albert Wilson's a guy that they spent $24 million on that may not get on the field. The Parker injury certainly helps that, but if all three guys are healthy, Wilson's the fourth guy. Stills is their best player, best receiver. He might be the best player. Oh, he might be their best receiver, but I just like if I'm taking a bench guy at this point, I'm just looking for some depth. How am I going to take Kenny Stills over Alshon Jeffrey? He's a starting flex he's because not he's guy. playing more games if Jeffrey's on the yeah, but you, can't, you but, can't say that. But it's a per game thing. I mean, I feel like Kenny Stills is going to be an inconsistent player. You're never going to know when to start him and when to bench him. And Alshon, so Jeffrey, Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey has the potential. Alshon Jeffrey has a 1,400 yard season under his belt. And that was a long then? time Then don't ago. tell me that A.J. Green is so great because A.J. Green hasn't been great since 2013. He's but been he good. hasn't had a bunch of surgeries like Alshon Jeffrey has. I, I get it. Like I, Obviously, I like A.J. Green better than Alshon Jeffrey, but like Alshon Jeffrey, first of all, no, but I don't think Kenny Stills is going ahead of Alshon Jeffrey. But I, oh, he will. I, I will I absolutely so. take Kenny Stills ahead of Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, I won't. I won't. The minute Alshon Jeffrey participates in a practice, yeah, with Carson I, don't, Wentz. I don't care. I'm taking and Kenny Stills over. Fun fact: Kenny Stills last year with Jarvis Landry on the team, with 15 fewer targets, had more catches and yards than Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, okay. I, honestly, Alshon Jeffrey is a better player. And like I said, Kenny Stills had how many did I say? Eight eight games with fewer than four with four or fewer fantasy points. Like that is a terribly annoying fantasy player. Terribly annoying fantasy player. I, I just I don't see him being a consistent guy. I Would get, more targets help his consistency? Yeah, but I, I mean, Amendola's going to get some. Wilson's going to get some. Like Gasicki's going to get some. Well, you like Will Fuller. How many of those games did Will Fuller have last year? Well, not With without Watson. Sean Watson, all of them. Right. Yeah, he Will Fuller averaged two fantasy points per game without Deshaun Watson, and I think he averaged 17 fantasy points per game with Deshaun Watson. Alshon so, so, Jeffrey had six games 
with uh, fewer than six. How and many? Five, how many with four? five with fewer than four? That, that's that's less than eight. That's a lot less than eight. That's a big deal. And uh, I mean, all right, it's it's more of a p- potential. Like I get it. I mean, I understand the hype of Kenny Stills. You guys are good to be to be on Kenny Stills. People are going to get Kenny Stills at a steal at a bargain. I just think that we're assuming this guy is going to jump into a number one role. He's never been that in his career. Alshon has, and is, and that's going to do it. I don't like getting the last word. I don't like getting the last word. Somebody give Gotta me a go last, by. Uh, give me like a legit last word. I don't want it to be me. Alshon Jeffrey had less than 800 yards and less than 60 catches playing 16 games. This year he might play 10. Don't overrate the rookie wide receivers. People are going to do it with DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Anthony Miller. Those guys shouldn't even get sniffed until the middle of round nine. All right, and we're going to talk about them later, uh, tomorrow rather. We'll go into 100 and later in, in draft uh, in ADP because we got to Will Fuller who's going 97th overall. So. We'll certainly get into Funches, Robbie Anderson, Calvin Ridley, Jameis Crowder, Nelson Aguilar, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, etc. For Dave, for Jamie, for Heath, I am Adam Azer. Na, 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 na. Yeah.